Welcome to the Smart Industry Podcast, Remaking Industry, where we dive deep into the tools, techniques, and technologies that are accelerating digital transformation. All right, thanks for joining us. My name is Chris McNamara, Editor-in-Chief with Smart Industry. Today, we are chatting with Craig Lensko, IIoT Business Development Manager with Hillshire North America. We're looking at uh, new uh, techniques of applying predictive maintenance on existing machines, brownfield assets, um, obviously to optimize operations and reduce maintenance and all that good stuff. Craig, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Let's jump in. Uh, we like to have a little bit of fun at the start, get to know you a little bit. We're going to ask you some personal questions here. Uh, tell me, uh, what's the last concert you attended? Um, wish I'd gone to more, but uh, I went to Ario Speedwagon this summer. Okay. And was, uh, what's their, that? First, their first concert in almost two years. You know, I think a coworker of mine was there as well. He said it was refreshing to, to be out and see them and some, uh, some normalcy coming back. Um, talk to me about your about industry in general. What's your what's your favorite thing? What what draws you to the field? What what appeals to you in, in this whole world of digitalization, IIoT? Well, the reason I jumped into this industry because I had a different position in my uh, company uh, in, up until about four years ago when I took over this position uh, was the rapidly changing uh, technologies and the rapid changes that these technologies are making to manufacturing, which drives productivity increases. And uh, because I was a manufacturing engineer before I got into th this business, um, that's always been sort of forefront on my mind. And also what's kind of amazing now is how we're using cloud IoT technology to uh, uh, run applications and store data and basically give you access to that data from anywhere in the world. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what area of manufacturing were you in? What was your focus? Um, well, I was, uh, uh, at, uh, John Deere. I was involved with, uh, manufacturing on the assembly line, uh, okay. for the big, uh, green tractors. And uh, at General Motors, I was uh, working in their steering gear division, and I was involved with uh, manufacturing of uh, steering pumps for automobiles. Excellent. Both enterprises doing very cool stuff in this space. Um, let's talk um, the state of um, predictive maintenance. What's new? Where are we at? And I'm always intrigued by the level of understanding among the, the wider population. You know, in your capacity, you serve as a bit of an educator, uh, oftentimes with clients. What's the state of understanding of predictive maintenance and what's new in that space? Well, uh, I look at it as uh, the fact that uh, when it comes to understanding of predictive maintenance, <clears throat> all the customers out there pretty much know what predictive maintenance is. But um, they're still primarily relying on uh, rule-based automation and distributed control systems. There's just a small percentage that I've observed that are uh, uh, applying predictive maintenance on their machines uh, or embedding predictive maintenance into new machines that they purchase. And uh, I think that's because there's a little bit of uh, confusion about um, how predictive maintenance gets implemented at the machine level in manufacturing. 
And to your point about education, yes, the first couple years of this job, I thought I was a school teacher. <laughs> what, uh, what's the confusion about? What, what do people most uh, misunderstand or lack understanding about? Well, I think what their, their, their biggest confusion is, it's, is just taking that first step. Um, what do they need to do this? What's it going to cost? Um, I've never done this before, so I'm um, feeling a little uh, timid uh, about going to management, you know, and 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 explaining to them uh, what this will do for them. Or maybe I'm not even quite sure what it'll do for me as far as ROIs and and downtime, etc. So. Uh, I think it's just a lack of knowledge that stops most customers from moving forward. Uh, IoT, uh, when we got involved with this, uh, was a top-down uh, process. The upper management wanted to look at these technologies because of what their IT department was telling them, not what their manufacturing department was telling them. Yeah. And, and now it's uh, now that top-down has is now bubbling up from the OT world too, but uh, that's not the way it started a couple of years or four or five years ago. Yeah, and that marriage of IT and OT, that convergence is probably fueling some of that um, change in direction of where the, the motivation to adopt this stuff is coming from, right? Absolutely. In fact, um, I think Edge Gateways was a godsend to manufacturing and IT because it merges IT with OT and yet each each organization gets to still be in charge of their domain. Mm -hmm. um, what, what are we talking about? Let's get specific about assets here. We're, we're, we're looking at, you know, particularly existing machines, brownfield assets. What is, what is your domain in particular? What is your area of, of focus? And, and do these concepts apply to kind of the broader uh, range of, of uh, assets? Right. Um, well, my primary focus industry-wise is still in uh, discrete parts manufacturing, mm -hmm. but recognize that this technology applies to the process industries, which are putting a lot of money in it right now. Uh, also, HVAC and utility industries are good candidates for uh, predictive maintenance technologies. But my approach has been not so much to go to the end user, but to go to the OEMs that they buy their machines from, because the, there's a lot of benefits for the OEM in addition to the end user, and uh, the OEM knows more about the machine than the end user does typically. Yeah, and what, what's the benefit in this respect to the OEM? They get to monitor their machines remotely, and then and that informs better decision makings in, in, in manufacturing those assets? That's definitely one of them, the remote monitoring part. Um, allows them to uh, monitor the devices, uh, machines, whatever the equipment is, and, and they actually can generate a service capability for their uh, end users by being able to tell them uh, what, when, and where problems are existing on their machines. Uh, their service techs can uh, make their initial service call electronically instead of getting on an airplane. That's a yeah. big one for the OEMs. They really mm -hmm. like that. Uh, and uh, they can also sell service subscriptions or maintenance service uh, subscriptions to the end users. So it becomes a, another revenue source for them. 
and uh, it actually uh, I think helps them sell um, machines now as uh, end customers want to see these type of features built into the machines they're buying. Yeah. Okay. Um, you talked a moment ago about um, reluctance to get started, a lack of understanding about how to take first steps. Um, what's the fix for that? What's an easy approach? What is low hanging fruit with predictive insights from legacy assets? Well, if you look at uh, the low hanging fruit, um, the assets that are already in place, or as we refer to them as brownfield assets, um, is definitely a great place to start. One, there's a lot more uh, existing machines in, the, in their factories than there are purchasing of new machines, although we're in sort of an interesting supply chain uh, dilemma right now. So uh, customers are trying to, uh, you know, pump, pump up their uh, uh, production capabilities. Uh, but um, we saw the brownfield market as an opportunity to create some sort of a uh, device that would uh, bolt onto the machine as a retrofit mm -hmm. and drive the uh, ability on the legacy assets to make them more uh, productive or at the very least, keep their runtime up and their maintenance down. And uh, that's probably the biggest uh, concern of the customer, uh, the end user, uh, is that uh, as long as the machine's running and built and making things and nothing's breaking, then they're happy campers because they're maximizing their production. Therefore, they're maximizing their profitability. Of course. Um, you, you know, we just talked about the, the breakdown. Uh, obviously, there are much, many more brownfield assets uh, at play than greenfield assets. Um, you have a good handle on, on, you know, output from OEMs. Is everything being produced these days, does it have that smart capability? You said that uh, the, the end users, the customers are increasingly looking for this. Um, is that the norm currently with new machines and will that ultimately change you know, maintenance with brownfield assets as, you know, year over year brownfield assets become increasingly smart, for lack of a better term. Yeah, it's not really the norm yet. Um, I just, last week I was at PAC Expo mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I have sore legs still to prove yeah. that I spent 15 hours walking the trade show. Oh, yeah. But I talked to a lot of uh, machine manufacturers, packaging machine manufacturers, and what I discovered is that maybe I'm going to say 15% were uh, applying this technology in their new machines, and, which I found to be a, a really, I thought, a low percentage. Um, and then uh, nobody was looking at the legacy machines that are out in the field, the brownfield equipment. So uh, there really wasn't any significant efforts being made to improve the productivity of what their end users already own. Uh, and so I'm I, guess I look at it, I look at it as an opportunity, but um, I was surprised at 
how a few people answered my question of are you using predictive maintenance on your equipment right now? And it was a low number. Wow. That's, that's contrary to, to I, I, I'm, we're kind of self-selecting, I suppose, in our universe here of, of content contributors and people we speak to who, I suppose, a lot of solution providers who are, who are touting the, the um, adoption of these approaches. I'm surprised to hear that. You think that's particular to the packaging world? Is it, what, uh, what, what is inhibiting adoption of some of these approaches? Well, um, one, I guess one aspect of it in my mind is that um, there's um, a lack of knowledge of the technologies, which is always kind of a scary thing. When management comes to their manufacturing people uh, or their design engineers to talk to them about uh, predictive maintenance, I think they all go, yeah, that would be a nice feature not sure where to start on this and, and how to get off on it because what we do is we get caught up working with these very large machine manufacturers and yes, they see this as um, kind of a must-have technology now. Yeah. But when you go to like a pack expo, probably two-thirds of the manufacturers there are making small standalone machines. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not making these uh, production lines. And uh, I think that, therefore, they, they look at it as, well, will that get me more orders? Or how much is that going to cost? Or maybe I don't have the right people on staff that know about this. And those are all sort of roadblocks uh, to, to starting. But I will say that from being at that show, I did talk to several uh, presidents of uh, smaller companies and uh, they were um, intrigued by the concept of putting pre preventive maintenance, not only on their new machines, but going back to their customers and having a retrofit package. Yeah. And, and, and let me, let me, uh, this is, I suppose, kind of a, um, a lab pitch here, but these approaches hold tremendous value regardless of the size of the enterprise, whether it's a single machine, whether it's a full production line, correct? I mean, that is, that's correct. Okay. And, and the, the ease of application is, is, is better than it's ever been, obviously. And the, the, um, you know, the return on investment is, it's pretty quick turnaround. I assume too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we uh, have done some research, and uh, we've looked at research from other companies, and uh, they're talking uh, almost a ten-time return on their investment. Uh, so, if you think about that, if uh, if you let's just say you put five thousand dollars into your machine, and your ROI is fifty thousand. I mean, that kind of payback is unheard of. Yeah, and usually the CFO is going to go, where do I sign up to get this technology put on, on our machine? On the rest of the machines, yeah. And what, what's the uh, most common um, optimization that results, uh, you know, the quickest, most common optimization that results from a predictive maintenance approach like this? Well, I think uh, probably number one is really the reduction in machine downtime. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, is uh, if you're not making product, you're not generating uh, revenue. So... Yeah. Machine downtime is probably not the, the main thing. And then reducing just the overall cost of maintenance is next. And then probably finally, um, when you marry it into the end user's complete 
system, um, they see productivity increases of 20 to 25%. So, but uh, if I was running a maintenance department, I'd want these technologies for sure. That would make your life easier. Yep. Uh, Craig, last question for you here, kind of a general, uh, kind of a, uh, asking to, to look at the broader picture here. What, uh, what most excites you about the, the near future of, of smart approaches with predictive maintenance? What's, uh, what's coming down the road? What's, uh, what piques your interest? Well, um, I guess uh, one of the, the key things that got, gets me a little bit excited is, is that the uh, end user, the end customers, are now able to build products better with more features in less time and at lower costs. And so if I'm a consumer of whatever product comes off of these machines, I get a plus for that. Uh, another area that uh, I think is uh, of greater value is to the OEM because I believe they sell or will sell more machines to the end users and those machines will provide greater value. So the OEM will probably be able to extract some extra uh, profitability out of uh, the machines that they sell because of that. And uh, finally, just really, uh, if you look at the supply chain, it gets down to the end user having the ability to make more products at a higher profitability level. So uh, those are the things that uh, I I find very interesting. I, I do have some expertise in business and um, that's what drives the the company is the profitability so uh, yeah I, I love uh, the the uh, simple end uh, results of these complex um, approaches it really comes down to simplicity I you know yeah. working smarter to keep the machine running better to to boost profits right I love it Craig Lensko Hillshire North America thanks for joining us today on the podcast you're welcome Chris Nice chatting with you. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, As always, we encourage you to go out and make it a smart day.